we just praise your holy name. Father, we worship you in this time that we have. Lord, we come to you in the middle of our week, in all of our tiredness, all of our weariness, everything that uh, we've had on us this week and everything we have left to go. And Lord, we, we put everything down and we just focus on you tonight. Father, I thank you for rolling into this place. I thank you, Father, for moving on our hearts, on our minds, on our bodies. I thank you, Father, for your healing power. Lord, that you heal our minds, you heal our emotions, you heal our physical bodies, Lord. Father, we're so grateful for that tonight. Lord, I thank you for your presence that's in this place. Lord, we lift you higher. We lift your name above every other name. We lift you up above every circumstance, every situation, every illness, every sickness, every relational problem, every money problem. <laughs> we lift you above everything, Lord. Be lifted higher. Be lifted up, be lifted higher. situation. See now of your family. Be lifted up. And be lifted up. And be Thompson now. 
Sometimes we place ourselves up on the throne and we get so wrapped up in our desires and, and our wants and our, our needs and our preferences and our situations and our pains and our hurts. And, and, and we get to the point to where we focus on ourselves so much that we forget that he is good. Yes. We forget Amen. that he is God. Amen. And it takes moments like this where you come into worship, guys. And you just, and you recognize and realize that everything you've been lifting up have been the wrong things. Yeah, come on. And in this moment, it, it takes a moment of transference where you, you flip it upside down. You say, Lord, less of me, more of you. Less, less of focusing on me and more of focusing on you. And, and you know what happens when you focus less on you and more on him? The situations in your life start turning around. Because we put, all, we put all of our emphasis on ourselves, and we can't fix it ourselves. Right? We can't do anything without him. We put all our emphasis on what we can do, or we put all our emphasis on what people online can do or social media can do. And, and all of that has to get flipped upside down. Like, we have to turn it. Like, like, just take your hand right now and hold it up and say, everything that I've been lifting up, God, everything that I've been holding up above you, I flip it. Today, Lord, we lift you up. <laughs> he deserves to be on the throne, church. Amen. Go ahead and give him some praise. And you know what? I, I know it's Wednesday night Bible study. And I know we're supposed to just come in and sit and, and read from the word and study a little bit. And we're supposed to be like really well put together tonight. And it's not supposed to get crazy like it does on Sunday mornings. And, and I, I know it's Wednesday night Bible study. But if you've got something going on in your life right now that you've just been so focused on, that's been up and above your focus on everything else, up and above your focus on God, and you've just been just totally just inverted from the way that it's supposed to be. Instead of lifting God up, you've been, you've been bowing down to your situation. If that's you in this room, what I'm going to ask you to do, you know, we just gave God some praise, but I want you to give God some crazy praise in your seat, right? And that might look different to everybody, you know, the crazy praise for some of y'all might just be this, you know, and if that's your crazy praise, give it, you know, give it. But for some of y'all, you might need to step out of the seat, you know, just for a second to give God some praise. Some of y'all just might need to like jump and just move for a second tonight and say, God, I give you everything within me. God, I, I flip the script today. God, I'm not going to let the enemy, I'm not going to let the enemy write my message. I'm not going to let the enemy write my life story. But tonight, I'm going to flip the script. Why don't you guys give me about 10 seconds tonight and just give him some crazy praise right where you're at. Amen.
I, I don't know about anybody else, but I came in here tonight tired. Like, Jessica came and found me in my office about five minutes before service, and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm t trying to take a nap. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just tired, you know. I'm sitting in my seat, and I'm like, Lord, I'm like, you're going to have to preach tonight because I'm out. You know, I'm, I'm just, you know, I think I'm going to go home. Lord, you just take it, you know. But, but I came in here tonight, and when that worship started, and the Holy Spirit just flowed into this room, I got rejuvenated. Amen. And, and no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're dealing with, that rejuvenation is what you need. Amen. It just, it takes that heaviness and it just, it just washes it away. Whatever you're struggling with, man, it just puts it on the back burner. It says in these next few moments, we're going to glorify God. We're going to glorify our King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We're going to lift you up, Jesus, because you are the name above every other name. There's no other name that can solve my issues. There's no other name that can, that can save me. There's no other name that can offer me eternal life. There's no other name that died for me but Jesus Christ. I'm not going to bow down to the, to the other uh, so-called little G gods that exist in our society. I'm not going to bow down to illness and sickness in my life. I'm not going to bow down to relational troubles and problems with my kids. And I'm, I'm not going to bow down to any of that. But as of right now, I'm only going to bow down to Jesus because he gives me the power. He gives me the authority to be able to stomp on the heads of snakes, to stomp on the heads of scorpions. And every demonic thing that comes against us, God gives us the power to deal with it. Amen. He gives us that power. And I'm so grateful for that. Give God one more hand clap of praise. Tell him that you love him. Tell him how good he is. Amen. Shout it out. Don't be silent in this moment. Just tell him you are so good, God. Jesus, you are so good to me. I love you tonight, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I guess we got to take up an offering. So we're going we're gonna to do that quickly. And then we're going to flow into the service. You guys can be seated. So tonight, if you if you're here for the first time, let me let me welcome you. This is our Wednesday night Bible study, and it's not typically a, a, a full service, but tonight I just felt uh, like the Lord wanted us to do something a little different before we dig into the study. And uh, I believe there's somebody in this room, or maybe multiple somebody's in this room that just needed a touch from the Holy Spirit tonight, and uh, that's what that was about. So maybe if you come from a church that you're not used to seeing people move and. <laughs> and maybe even yell out in service. You're like, what is going on in this place? You know, who are these people? Uh, just know we're not crazy. We just love Jesus, and, and uh, we show it in weird ways sometimes. Amen. But I want to welcome those who watch at home, and there's a lot of you who, who watch at home on Wednesday night and can't come, or some of you still aren't back in church with us, and, and you watch regularly. We love you, and we just want you to know that. So tonight I'm going to pray over the offering, and we have two ushers in the back, our deacons, who are going to come. Uh, take up the offering and just serve you in your seats. So I'm going to pray over that. And if you have something to give, just lift it up and they'll, they'll come to you, okay? Father, we thank you for the opportunity tonight to come worship you. Lord, you are so, so good. Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit who has filled this place. I thank you, Lord, that you're already touching people's hearts and minds and bodies. You're already flowing in this place. Lord, you're already, already healing Lord, during that time of worship and, and time of praise, Father, we could just call it a night right there and go home, Lord, because you've already been at work. 
But Lord, we trust you in, in the rest of this service that you're going to continue to do a good work through us. Lord, I pray over every giver, every tither that's in this room. Lord, bless them according to the principles of your word. Whether they give online, give in person, Lord, they're included in this prayer. We love you, we thank you for it, and we're grateful to be able to give back into the kingdom, Lord. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Just worship in your giving for a moment. started we'll just flow right back into worship again so how's everybody doing tonight can we give uh, pastor brad and this team a, a hand clap of uh, appreciation tell him we are applauding uh, him leading us into worship not his legs so just just so he knows that <laughs> amen amen would you guys turn with me to psalm 119 tonight if you would we have been in the Enemies of the Heart series, and Pastor John Terry brought the word last week. I'm thankful and grateful for him. I don't know where he went. He's, he's uh, probably in the bathroom. I don't know. But he disappeared on us. Uh, but Pastor John Terry brought the word on complacency last week, and so grateful for him uh, filling in for me while I was in West Virginia with my mom, uh, who is always watching us online, and uh, grateful for her. But I was able to get away uh, for a week and spend time with her while my sister was on vacation. And uh, really enjoyed that, so thanks for um, praying for me in my early morning flights. And I, I asked you specifically uh, to pray for me because I was landing on one of the shortest runways in the United States on the top of a mountain in Charleston, West Virginia. And I said, I've never flown into that airport before. I always go to Huntington. And uh, Charleston, West Virginia is one of the scariest airports to land on. And uh, do you know that I got text messages at 5 and 6 in the morning saying, Pastor, we're praying for you as you're getting on the plane. You know, I was like, man, I was just joking. You didn't have to get up early to pray for me, you know, but, you know, you could have prayed for me before you went to bed. It was all good. But I actually got messages and instant messages and text messages saying, hey, we're praying for your trip. So I'm so grateful for that. Thank you, guys. How many of you are in Psalms 119? How many of you are going to watch it on the screen? That's okay. It's all good. It's not even on the screen, is it, Katie? No. Oh, see, it's not even going to be on the screen. So you guys are going to have to trust me or turn to your uh, version in your device or, or something if you didn't bring a Bible with you. So habits of a healthy heart are what we're going to be talking about tonight. We've been in the Enemies of the Heart series, and we've talked about discouragement. Uh, we spent some time in bitterness. Uh, Pastor John talked about complacency last week. 
And now this week, I want to dive into habits of a healthy heart. So we've been talking about enemies of the heart uh, for the last several weeks, but I want to kind of turn the page to kind of close out this series tonight and talk about habits of a healthy heart. So why am I closing out this series? Because we are moving next week into a, uh, it's a new small group format. So I, last time we went into small groups, we didn't have worship, we didn't have any teaching in here, we just, you came and you went immediately to a small group somewhere on campus. Um, I kind of felt led to change that up this time around. Uh, so what we're going to do and what I felt like doing is starting next week, you're going to come, you're still going to come in, you're going to be right here in the sanctuary, and we're going to do a small group together uh, as a family. So the way that works is you're going to come in, we're going to have a few minutes of worship. We're going to worship with a couple of songs. We're going to, Pastor Brad's going to open us in worship. And then me or one of the other speakers, leaders, preachers, pastors in the house are going to teach a message uh, for 20 minutes. And then after that worship and after the 20 minute message, you guys are going to split up amongst yourselves to have a breakout session about what was taught. So, so there'll be a breakout sessions uh, kind of across the building in different areas. You'll kind of just go to these tables and these places. There'll be pages set out with, with outlines of what we talked about uh, to give you talking points to dig into. Uh, so you get twofold. You get two ways. So we get corporate worship still, uh, but you also get small group uh, intimacy together as, a, as, a, as, as people. So you get shoulder-to-shoulder worship, and then you get roundtable uh, after that with other people. So I, I, we're going to try this and see how it goes. If it doesn't work, we'll do something different next time. Uh, but I really feel like this is going to be uh, something that's good for us. The Lord has laid a study on my heart, which goes right along with kind of where we've been in the gospel series on Sunday mornings and where we've been with the Enemies of the Heart series on Wednesday nights. But there's a, there's a, there's a teaching uh, by Mark Driscoll, and it's called The Forgiveness Challenge. The Forgiveness Challenge. And it's a, it's a six-week, it's actually a seven-week, but we're going to condense it down to six weeks. And in that six weeks, we're going to walk through what exactly forgiveness is. So this Sunday, I'm actually preaching on forgiveness. Uh, this past Sunday, I preached on being forgiven by God, and we're going we're gonna, to uh, flow into forgiving others this Sunday. Uh, but a lot of times, we preach and teach about forgiveness, but we don't necessarily lay out the, the how-to. You know, we talk about we, we know as, as a family that we're supposed to forgive, but how do I do it? And this uh, the forgiveness challenge is going to lay out a lot of that. And I wanted to, to utilize different teachers because I wanted to get different perspectives. Because I could teach the whole thing, uh, but you would get mostly my perspective. Um, so what we're going to be doing is I'm going to be teaching the first one and the last one. So week one and week six are going to be is going to be me. Uh, week five, I think, is going to be Jessica. Uh, week Two is going to be uh, Brian Norman, uh, so he's going to he's going to dive into week two, and then the other weeks are going to be a mix of other pastor speakers. Pastor Kenny Berger is going to be taking one, but he doesn't know it yet. I, I have not asked him yet. <laughs> so as long as he's available, he's he's going to be leading one. Uh, but we're going to have a uh, just an excellent time as a family laying out what it means to forgive, what it looks like, talking about it in a corporate session like this, and then breaking out into small groups to talk about it amongst yourselves. So I am hoping and praying for that during this six-week uh, series that not only are you guys going to make connections, make new friends with each other, um, but you guys also are going to find some areas of your heart that maybe you are left covered up or not dealt with, 
and be able to really clean out and purify some areas that maybe you've struggled with in the past. So that is, is what's on my heart for you over the next six weeks, and I hope that you guys come out, participate in that, be a part of that. But we're going to start it next week. All right? Amen? Amen. So I need water. My throat is dying. I think so. I might run out of it. Like I was shouting too loud during worship. So habits of a healthy heart, guys. How many of you know real and lasting change happens in the heart, right? Real and lasting change in our life takes place in the heart before it takes place in our life. Like we need to, we need to see somewhere we would rather be before we go to where we need to be, right? You kind of have to see and get a glimpse of a life led differently than the way we're currently living before we ever change, right? But it's something that we have to grasp and get a hold of in our heart. And our heart has to change first before our life tends to change. So real and lasting change in our lives happens in the heart first. People who change their behavior without having a heart change first tend to wander back into that old behavior eventually. So if, if, if people are doing one certain thing or living a certain way and they decide that in their willpower they're going to change or they're tired of getting beat up or tired of dealing with the issues of the way they're living. So because of that, they're just decided one day that they're going to change, but they never had the true heart change behind it. Then, then eventually that willpower is going to wear out and they're going to revert back to kind of who they used to be, right? They're going to revert back to another direction. I remember back in the day um, before I was a pastor, um, I, was, I was a smoker. So I smoked for, for quite a few years uh, in my young adult life and up into, uh, up into middle, almost middle-aged adult life. As a matter of fact, I quit just a few years before I was called into ministry. But I remember several times in that time frame, my wife telling me or deciding in the moment that I was going to quit. Right. She would come to me and she goes, Steve, this I just have had enough of this. You know, I've got to wait for you everywhere we go. This is not good for your health. Like you stink a little bit. Your clothes smell funky. You know, like we I, 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 I've decided you're going to quit. Right. And then I'm like, yes, dear, <laughs> you know, I'm going to quit. But my heart wasn't in it, you know. And and so in those moments and times that I tried to quit under Jessica's willpower or tried to quit just under my willpower or tried to quit because one of the kids said, Daddy, you shouldn't smoke, you know, and I'm like, oh, that's heartbreaking. You know, I need to I need to really quit. But the business I was in, I was around people that smoked constantly and it was just a, a thing that you ran up against. So I I struggled with it. And every one of those times uh, I failed. Right. Every one of those times it didn't happen properly. When it finally happened, it happened because I had a true heart change that I didn't, I didn't want to depend on something else more than I depended on God. So in that moment in time when I decided to quit, it was easy and it happened effortlessly because I had a true heart change about it. If I hadn't had a heart change about it, it never would have happened, right? So kind of every area in our life, I think everybody in the room could probably say there's some times and seasons where I've tried to change in a certain way, but I tried to change because it was the right thing to do, not because my heart was set on changing. 
right? And when you try to do those kind of things and change your life just because it's the right thing to do, a lot of times we're, we're unsuccessful or we're not successful in that area because we haven't had a true heart change yet. So it requires a heart change uh, in order for us to be successful in changing our behavior. So people who have had a heart change rarely re-enter the behavior that caused an unhealthy heart to begin with. They rarely re-enter that behavior because they've had a true heart change. Something has happened deep down inside of them. Let's start reading in Psalms 119, verses 108 through 112. And it reads like this. I am afflicted very much. Revive me, O Lord, according to your word. Accept, I pray, the freewill offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me your judgments. My life is continually in my hand, yet I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I have not strayed from your precepts. Your testimonies I have taken as a heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes forever to the very end. So I've kind of walked through this psalm, and I rewrote it in kind of today's uh, viewpoint or what we would look at it today. And, and I kind of rewrote it like this. This is the way that I read it. Lord... I'm struggling a lot. And, and can you, can you, can anybody relate to that? That sometimes you've gone to the Lord in prayer and you said, Lord, in this moment, in this season and in this time and in this situation, I'm struggling a lot. And if you're not admitting it to God, guess what? He already knows. You might as well just tell him. He already knows what you're dealing with, right? You can't put on airs with God, right? You can't go to God and say, God, everything is just hunky-dory, you know. Thank you for all your blessings, you know. And it'd be like on the inside, like, ah, you know. You can't do that because God already knows. So it's, it's, he's starting off, Lord, I'm struggling a lot. Revive me as you say in your word that you're willing to do. Lord, you say in your word that you'll revive me and revive my heart and replenish me and restore me and move in me and move in my life. God, if your word says that, then do it in my life. You know, Lord, I'm struggling over here. I need change and I need you to move and I need you to show up. And I'm dealing with these struggles and these situations. Lord, revive me. Your word says you'll do it, Lord, then just do it. Quit leaving me hanging. You know, sometimes we... Uh, some. <coughs> Sometimes we get entirely too religious in our prayers. Sometimes we go to the Lord with these false errors and we pray these prayers that are really just surfacy and they're really just prayers that we memorized over the years and we don't get down and dirty with what we feel and what we're struggling with and what we're actually dealing with with the Lord. But can I tell you tonight that God wants you to get down and dirty with how you feel with them. God's shoulders are huge. God is way bigger than any problem that you could bring to him. God is way bigger. God, you're not going to hurt his feelings, I promise. Right? You go to the Lord and you tell him, Lord, why haven't you healed me yet? Lord, why haven't you showed up in this situation yet? You go to the Lord and you tell him exactly how you feel because he's a good father and he not only wants, he doesn't want to hear uh, just what you think he wants to hear, but he wants to hear your heart. He wants to hear what you're genuinely struggling with, what you're genuinely dealing with. He does not want you to put false errors on. So he says, revive me as you say in your word that you're willing to do. Accept my praise and speak to me when I do it. Lord, accept my praises and begin to speak to me as I do it. Father, let me hear your voice. Let me not just praise and hear emptiness returning back to my ears. But let me praise, Lord, and let me hear what you have to say to me back. 
right? Let me, let me accept my praise, but speak to me while I'm doing it. My life just got, it just keeps on moving, and I don't seem to have time to sit and get adjusted and catch my breath before I get another blow. Lord, I, it seems like I'm just struggling and struggling and things are just heading my way and heading my way. And as fast as I deal with something, there's something else right around the corner. And as fast as I recover from being hit on one side, then I get hit on the other. You know, how many of you can relate to that at times? You know, there's been times and seasons in your life, I'm sure, where you feel like you've, you've been a punching bag. Where you feel like everything is coming, you just haven't seen it coming and you just keep getting hit and hit and hit and you have no defense. Right? You're just a punching bag is, is kind of how it feels at times. And you're saying, Lord, uh, this whole thing is happening, but I'm trying, Lord. Even in the midst of being a punching bag and even in the midst of being in struggles and in the midst of being in pains, God, I'm still trying to follow your laws. I'm still trying to follow your precepts. I'm still trying to be a good Christ follower. I'm still trying to do, Lord, what you asked me to do. I'm still trying, Lord, even though I, every time I turn around, I keep getting hit. Every time I turn around, Lord, but I keep trying. And then he, 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 he goes on and continues to say things like this. People have hurt me, and my heart is hurting. People have, have rendered blows to my, to my self-esteem. People have rendered blows to my heart. My soul is toxic from the words that people have spoken about me. My heart is hurting. But even in that hurt, Lord... And even in my pain, I'm still, God, I'm still continuing to try to do what you've asked me to do. So although I'm hurting and although I'm in pain and although I'm struggling, Lord, I'm still trying to continue in your word. I'm still trying to do. So, God, could you, could you please just show up in this situation? God, could you please? I, I, I'm working through it and I'm doing the best I can. But, God, I can't do anything without you. God, I need you to show up. I'm depending on your promises, God. No matter what, I'm inclining my heart towards you for all the days of my life. So if we were going to take a psalm and, and rewrite it in today's language, in today's circumstances, it may sound something like that. I'm going through these struggles. I'm going through these pains, God, but I'm still trying to serve you. But God, I've read in your word about that you'll heal me if I ask for it, and that you'll show up in my finances if I praise you for it, Lord. And, and if I do this, God, you're going to show up and you're going to do miraculous things. But yet every time I turn around, God, I keep getting hurt. Every time I turn around, God, somebody else is against me. Every time I turn around, God, it doesn't seem like I have any reprieve. You know, that's what the book of Psalms is, is about a lot of times. It starts, every psalm that's in there kind of starts off just in agony. Agony. Like, God, I'm dealing with this thing called life, and it's no fun. It's not, sometimes life is no fun dealing with, with other people. Sometimes it's no fun, God. You know, God, can't you make me a hermit, Lord? Can't you place me on some mountaintop somewhere with fresh fresh vegetables and plenty of ha McDonald's hamburgers or whatever, you know, that you, that you like to indulge in? And, and, Lord, just put me away from people, Lord. Lord, let me just walk and talk with you like Adam in the garden before Eve came along. Like, like let me just walk and talk with you, Lord, and let it just be me and you, right? And, and, and sometimes we feel like that, right? But the... <laughs> But the truth is, if, if we were away from other people, and we never dealt with the pains and the struggles of dealing with other people, we would never grow. You know, we would be babies spiritually. And if we never went through any circumstances or any pain or any illnesses or any sicknesses, we would be babies spiritually. 
We wouldn't know how to handle it if one day something that came along that was a struggle, right? But because God allows us to go through struggles, it makes us stronger. But how many of you know sometimes you're, you're, you're not a, sometimes you don't believe you're as strong as you actually are, right? Sometimes you, you don't think you can get through this situation, but God says, listen, I've strengthened you. I've made you. I've, I allowed you to walk through these eight other situations just to prepare you for what I knew was coming in 2020. I let you walk through this situation in 2012 to prepare you because it was going to turn your heart towards me and you were going to hit your knees and begin to pray and begin to worship like never before. And you were going to develop a new way to read your word and you were going to develop and, and remember scriptures about that situation so that when 2020 hit and May hit in 2020 and this thing happened in your life that you were these scriptures were going to start pouring up out of your heart and out of your mouth and you automatically knew how to deal with that devil because you had already fought his brother uh, about eight years before see God knows what's coming when we don't know right God knows what the struggle is before we ever know what the struggle is man my wife has been after me about my salt intake for about the last year or so she she has even got my daughter doing it so whenever I go out to eat with either my daughter or my wife uh, they, they they have this face that they make whenever I salt my food and they go, and they try to public shame me, y'all. I started the gym. I told you guys a few weeks ago, I'm going, right? I'm, I'm going to the gym. I started the gym, but you know what? I quit again. <laughs> I have this deep desire to go to the gym and spend time in the gym, run on the treadmill. I have this deep desire to be that guy that's trim and thin. I, I have this deep desire to be that guy with those big heavy ropes in the corner and jumping down and doing all that stuff. But when I go there, y'all, it just it doesn't happen the way I imagined it in my head. <laughs> so I started the gym and I fell out again. It's because I haven't inclined my heart yet towards it to make it happen in my life. So it's a change that I need to make. It's something that has to happen in my life, but I haven't yet. And, and notice I say yet. I'm not saying I'm giving up. All right? I said I haven't yet inclined my heart towards that change in my life that needs to make it healthy. I haven't done that yet. But how many of you know that even if I make the gym a habit and I haven't continued to follow the precepts of healthy eating and a healthy lifestyle, it won't matter much? Because if I go to the gym and I work out for an hour every morning, but then for lunch, I continue to go to El Ranchito and eat chips and queso Woo. and cheese enchiladas with pork carnitas poured over the top. And if I continue to do that, it's not going to matter much what I do in the gym. So it's a two-part process. We have to incline our heart towards getting healthy, but then we also have to follow his precepts and his laws, right? In the same way of getting healthy physically is the same way that we need to get healthy emotionally. In the same way that get, we get healthy physically is the same way that we need to get healthy spiritually. There's the same processes that are involved, right? In the same way that I begin to do outwardly, do the things to appear as I'm healthy, but if I ignore the precepts and laws that God said would make me healthy on the inside, I can fool a whole lot of people and still have a toxic heart. I can put on airs on the outside and pretend to be somebody I'm not, 
and I could walk around with titles, and I could walk around with all kinds of stuff, and people on the outside can look at me and appear to think of me a certain way, but on the inside, I could still have a toxic heart. That's why sometimes when people fail in our lives or on the public, on the national public scene or international scene, and when, when people that we have looked up to fail, it tends to shock us because they have, they have followed the laws and precepts on the outside, but haven't uh, inclined their heart towards them on the inside, right? You could be a devout churchgoer and have a toxic heart. You could be a matriarch or patriarch of the family that everybody comes to for advice and have a toxic heart. You could be happily married and have a toxic heart. You could be leading and teaching and developing other people in the ways of this Christian life and have a toxic heart. Because it's a twofold process. It's something that has to happen on the inside and the outside. It's something that has a start on the inside where we lean our heart and incline it towards God. And then, just like that psalm says, we start to follow the precepts and the laws that God has placed before us. So it starts with the heart towards God, and then we follow the precepts and the laws, and it's a total package. And it leads to a pure and undefiled heart. So these, these are things that we have to focus on, church, in order to, to reset our heart, which is what I want to talk about tonight. I want to talk about the, the ways that we get to a healthy heart. And the first thing that we have to do is have a reset. There was a couple of years ago, one of my kids bought me one of those mini Nintendo game systems. Has anybody seen those? Right? Am I the only one? So there's these. Listen, when I saw this thing start to get advertised, I, I had to have it. When I was 11 years old, I rolled in on a Christmas morning opened up a box under the tree, and in that box under the tree was a Super Nintendo entertainment system, right? Not a Super, I'm sorry, it was a regular Nintendo <laughs> entertainment system. I'm a little older than that. It was a regular Nintendo entertainment system. I remember uh, for about two months straight, I did nothing but play Super Mario Brothers. Right? That was about all I played, but it was, it was, it was kind of something that was, uh, that was reminiscent, and Nintendo knew that that there was a whole group of 40-somethings out there who were reminiscent about that original <laughs> Nintendo system. So they came out with this mini system that was loaded with all the original games, and you could buy it and just hide it in a drawer and get it out when the kids weren't around or whatever and play it for yourself, right? But, but they got me one of those, and, and listen, I, I love to play this thing for two games. I love to play Super Mario Brothers and Mike Tyson's Punch-Out! Because in, in Mike Tyson's Punch-Out!, I get all my frustrations out. You know, when I'm struggling or dealing with issues, man, I just step into Little Joe there and, and start beating up on King Hippo. You know, I just, I just make it happen. And, uh, and it's one of those things that gets my frustrations out. But on the front of the old systems and on the front of the new systems, there's a button. There's two buttons, right? And one says power, and the other one says reset. And whenever you got to a place where you couldn't go any further or whenever you got to a place where you were just bogged down and you were, you were full of mistakes and you'd made so many situations and you just couldn't recover from it, you could walk over to the front of this machine and just hit reset. And when you hit reset, the game would completely start over fresh and you would have a fresh perspective, a fresh outlook, and a fresh start again, right? How many of you know that sometimes we need that button on our heart? Because our hearts struggle and we go through all of this pain and all of these situations. And sometimes we just need a reset button right on the front of my heart. Where I can say, Lord, I'm, I'm carrying all kinds of junk. 
I'm carrying all kinds of pain. I'm carrying all kinds of struggles. Uh, Lord, so, such and such has talked so bad about me, and it's all just hanging in my heart. Uh, uh, man, Lord, I've been through this divorce and this situation, and it's all just hanging in my heart. Lord, my kids have, have messed up or done something wrong, and it's just hanging in my heart. Right? And sometimes you've you got so much junk hanging in your heart that you haven't dealt with over time that it begins to pile up, and eventually you don't have any other space in there for anything else. And you just need a, a reset. You need a, a, a moment for God to take you back to the beginning. A moment for God just to refresh your spirit, to, to detox your soul, to take all the bad stuff out and just get purified in a moment. Right? We need that spiritual reset from the Lord. Can I tell you that nothing is too hard for God? There was a, man, I didn't even want to get into this tonight or I didn't even think about getting into this tonight. But there was, there was a moment in time where Jessica and I were serving in, in the church and not in this church, in a different church. And we were serving and, man, we were struggling because of some circumstances in our family. And we were just struggling and we were in pain. And we were doing all the precepts on the outside, but on the inside, we had toxic hearts. We were continuing to teach, continuing to preach, continuing to do all of these things on the, on the outside. But on the inside, man, we just had toxicity in our hearts. And the only ones who really knew it were those who were absolutely closest to us and me and her. That was it. Everybody else just thought we were fine because we were hiding it well. We were putting on airs. But on the inside, man, we were one step away from thinking we were about to die because our hearts were so toxic. And I remember in this season, um, there was a few times where we, we, just, we just couldn't follow through with what we needed to do. Like we were supposed to be at, at class at 9 a.m. to teach, but there was no possible way that we could emotionally do it. We couldn't handle it. Or we were supposed to be there to preach, or we were supposed to be there to serve, or we were supposed to be there to counsel, but there was just no possible way that we could do it. We were supposed to be at a friend's wedding, but there was no possible way that we could show up because we were so full of toxicity that really we thought we were going to die. And then one morning, we were supposed to be somewhere again. Somebody was relying on us as a pastoral couple, like, you're, you're one of our pastors. We'd get love for you to be here and be a part of this situation and on this Saturday morning. And we were supposed to be there. And the right thing to do was for us as pastors was to get up and get dressed and put a smile on and just show up. Because that's what pastors do. They put a smile on and they show up. And we were supposed to be there. And Jessica and I got into a screaming match in our, in our bedroom and not hating each other, just toxicity pouring out of us. I'm like, we've got to go. And she's like, why? And I'm like, because we're their pastors. And she's like, how can we pastor anybody? And I said, how can I argue with that? We're both deeply broken. And she goes, who wants us there? And I said, because they don't know any better. They don't know that we're in this situation. And I remember us leaving the church, or not the church, leaving our house, and we were supposed to head uh, to this event. And rather than head to the event, I said to her, do you want to buy like a little bit of time and just go get some breakfast? And she said, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> like, let's, let's buy as much time as possible. 
let's go get some breakfast. So we drove over to Crystal River, and we went to this uh, breakfast restaurant. We pulled into the parking lot, and when we pulled into the parking lot, y'all, my wife, floodgates just opened up. And so many tears fell out of my wife's eyes. And it was this point of time to where the toxicity couldn't be compressed any longer. It was, it was months of pressing down this toxicity and the pain and the hurt and the dealing. And, and it was months of that, of pressing it down. And it got to the point to where it was starting to bubble out and it just couldn't stop it. And she was, she was bawling, crying. And I looked at her and I started bawling, crying. And I, I said, you know, well, I guess we can't eat breakfast. <laughs> You know, we can't really walk in there like this. You know, they'd probably call the cops. They'd be like, we got some crazy people in here. So we looked at each other, and we were just a, a block or two away from the church where I was serving at the time. And, and I said, well, let's go deal with it. And we drove to the church, and we walked in. And it was a Saturday morning. We were the only ones there. And we went into the sanctuary and turned on some praise music. And we turned the lights down low, and we walked holding hands down the center aisle, like this aisle here, to the altar. And we just both got on our knees and buried our face in the altar. And in that moment, we began to pray and cry out to God and get real with him and tell him about our pain and our hurts and our disappointments and the things we were struggling with. And we, we got so real with him that there were, there were wet spots at the altar from our tears. There were, the rugs were wet from us crying so hard in those, in those altars and saying, God, why haven't you rescued us from this situation? And why haven't you just showed up yet? You know, we're in such pain, and I know that you know we're in pain. And just like that psalm, even though we're in pain and, and we're getting hit from every side, we're still doing what you've asked us to do. We're still leading people, and we're still loving people, and we're still praying for people. We're still preaching, and we're still teaching. But God, you haven't shown up yet. And I remember us sitting at that altar, and we turned and we faced each other, and we cried out all our tears. And I picked up anointing oil, and I anointed my wife, and my wife anointed me, and we began to pray over each other, and we began to ask God to just take it. God, just take it. And in that moment, God supernaturally reached inside of our chest and he hit this reset button and all of our stress and all of our toxicity and all of our pain just melted away in that moment. And we were, we were so just blown away. Like it went away, y'all, like for both of us, like it was a genuine miracle. Like, God has done some miracles in our life. God has, God has healed my physical body. God has healed Jessica's physical body. God showed up and healed our marriage, which is how we ended up in ministry in the first place. God did some miracles in our life, y'all. God did some miracles, but nothing like that day. Because we sat there at that altar, y'all, and we were full of hurt, pain, bitterness, anger, frustration, discouragement. And God just reached in. And pulled it out. And we got up from that altar and we were reset. He reset our heart. And we walked out of there like wide-eyed little, little, little bushy-tailed puppy dogs, man. Like we just waddled right out of there, man. We were holding hands and we're, we're like, whoo, you know, 
if I could skip, I don't even know how to skip, but it was, it was something like that, you know, and we were, we walked out of there, I remember turning the lights off, we went in and shut off the music, and then went out and got in the car, and I looked at my wife, and she looked at me, and I said, well, that's that, <laughs> and she goes, yeah, I said, well, let's go, <laughs> and we drove to the other side of the county to the event we were supposed to be at. And all the stuff that the enemy and the devil had been pouring into our heads that morning, all the stuff that the devil was, was piling on top of our toxic hearts, all the stuff he was saying like, hey, nobody wants you guys around anyway. Nobody needs you guys as pastors. You might as well quit. You might as well walk away. You're ineffective. You're broken. You can't be fixed. It was all the stuff the devil was telling us. The devil said, nobody wants you around. I remember that being the biggest one that morning. We both felt like nobody wants us. You know, and, and sometimes when you're as pastors, it's the loneliest place. Because you're struggling and dealing with issues, but you can't share it with anybody else because they'll judge you for struggling and dealing with issues. Right? Well, you got a pastor, just so you know, that's very, very open. You know, and. I'm not too open, but I'm, but I'm very open. And these are, these are one of those things that we got in the car, we drove over there, and everything the enemy had piled on that nobody wants you around, we pulled up to this event, and we got out of our cars. And this person stepped out from under the pavilion, and she said, Yay! Our pastors are here. And me and Jess went back to crying. <laughs> we went back to crying. We almost had to get back in the car. <laughs> you know, we, we went up and wrapped our arms around them and said, yeah, we, we didn't want to miss this. You know, we wanted to be here for this for you. And you know what? In the words that came out of our mouth, every one of them, we meant it. Every one of them, we needed it. And every word that she yelled across the parking lot at us when we got out of the car was God speaking to our hearts. Right, so God will not only show up and reset your heart, but he will then begin to pour into it and feed into it the food and the, and the, and the drink and the water and the things that you need to grow and for your heart to return back to a healthy state. God will continue to do that for you. And so when I say to you tonight that sometimes you need a heart reset, it's not impossible. There's nothing too hard for our God to do. And I say that knowingly that my wife and I went through it and received it. That was the most toxic we'd ever been in our life. Even, even in our marriage crisis. That was still the most toxic we'd ever been in our life. And God just reset it in an instant. Amen. Sometimes we just need a heart reset. In Psalm 119, if we move to verse 121, it says this, I have done justice and righteousness. Do not, Lord, leave me to my oppressors. Be surety for your servant for good. Do not let the proud oppress me. My eyes fail from seeking your salvation and your righteous word. Deal with your servant according to your mercy and teach me your statutes. I am your servant. Give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. It is time for you, Lord, to act, for they have regarded your law as void. Therefore, I love your commandments more than gold. Yes, more than fine gold, God, I love your commandments. 
Therefore, in verse 28, all your precepts concerning all things I consider to be right, and I hate every false way. So even in these times and situations when our hearts are struggling, we've got to make this, 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 we've got to proclaim this scripture in the moment that God's precepts we consider to be right and we have to hate every false way. Because when your heart is hurting and when your heart is toxic and when you've gone through situations, it's so easy to fall trap to the enemy. It's so easy to fall trap to lies and, and deceit of the enemy and what he wants to say about you. It's so easy to just begin to believe it. But I'm telling you today that we have to understand that God's ways are right. So these steps to a healthy heart mimic the steps to a physical healthy heart. And I know uh, we've gone a long time already, but if you guys give me 15 minutes, I'm going to lay these out for you. Number one, steps to a healthy heart mimic the steps to a physical healthy heart. Number one, we have to eat healthier. You mean no salt? I mean lots of salt, the salt of the word. Right? We have to eat healthier. We have to refocus ourselves on the word of God. We got to refocus ourselves on the meat of the gospel and the bread of life. We have to refocus ourselves on what God calls right, and we have to call situations that aren't right wrong. And we have to begin to proclaim over us what the word of God says that we can proclaim over us. So we begin to eat healthy. We begin to take in things that are healthy and things that are right. We find the scriptures that pertain to our situations. You begin to memorize them and quote them and meditate on them. You begin to apply those scriptures to your life, and that's eating healthy. These are, these are some of the things. Everything that we've talked about that's been an enemy of the heart has an underlying condition, and that underlying condition is anger. Anger tends to be an underlying condition of what, what uh, leads to all of these other enemies of the heart that we've talked about. We talked about bitterness, and bitterness requires anger towards others for it to be bitterness. You have to be angered toward, towards other people in order for bitterness to sink in. Complacency, with Pastor John preached about last week, leads to anger towards self. Because you get upset and struggle with yourself for failing or falling in these areas. So it begins to be angry with yourself. And then anger, if, if, if we don't take care of it and we don't deal with it, anger leads, unrelenting anger always leads to sin. Always. That's why the Bible says be angry but sin not. Right? Let anger come because anger is an emotion. You can't do nothing about it, but you can do something about it once it gets there. Right? It may happen, but you don't have to allow it to take charge. Right? We can get angry, but the, de the decisions and the things that we do after we get angry are whether they become sinful or not. Right? So we've got to recognize that. Uh, a steady diet of anger leads to a toxic heart. If you let anger reign unreigned in your life and continue unrelentless throughout your life, it leads to a toxic heart. So if you're dealing with a toxic heart tonight, you need to follow the anger. Look at what makes you angry and follow the, the bird trail. Follow the bird feed that you've thrown out along the way and find the trail back to why you're angry. What makes you hangry? You've got to deal with the original intent, the original, uh, uh, the original catalyst of what turned into anger so that you can get your heart cleansed again. You've got to go back to what's, what's making you feel that way. So a steady diet of anger leads to a toxic heart. So this happens when people fail us. And when people fail us, what do we do according to Scripture? We forgive, we shake it off, and we move forward, right? What happens when we fail ourselves? We shake it off, we forgive ourselves, and we move forward, right? Anxiety, dealing with issues in our heart, uh, allowing that stuff to take hold, 
right? All of this stuff leads to toxicity within our hearts. And no matter what you're struggling with in your heart, go to scripture and reread and find focused scriptures on what you're dealing with and begin to meditate on it and eat healthy. Because what tends to happen is when we get toxic, we want to be around toxic people. When you get toxic, you want to find somebody else that's toxic so they can talk smack as much as you want to talk smack. Because if, to- if you're toxic and they're not toxic, they're not going to put up with the kind of stuff that's coming out of your mouth. That's why toxic people in a church environment find other toxic people so that they can talk bad about the church. Right? It's because it's toxicity. So it's something that we have to deal with immediately and don't let it out. So if you're not toxic and somebody begins to spew toxicity, just immediately lay hands on them and start praying. You want to stop that toxicity? That's how you do it, right? You might get put in a headlock or something if you reach out too fast. So reach out slow. Uh, announce your motives. I'm going to pray for you. Don't just go like this because a toxic person will take you out. <laughs> you know, don't just do that. But just announce, may I pray for you and move slow. And then if you lay hands on them and begin to pray against toxicity, guess what? It's going to stop. It's going to stop gossip. It's going to stop backbiting. It's going to stop underhandedness. It's going to stop all of the, the toxicity, the lying. It's going to stop everything because it, it, God's going to come into the situation and, and start to clean it up. So we've got to do that. We've got to eat healthier. Number two, stop the toxic intake. We've already kind of dug into that and talked about that. Uh, cut out people or situations in your inner circle that create feelings of inadequacy, pain, constant heartache, and toxicity. If you're feeling toxic, Begin to look at your inner circle. Who in your inner circle is toxic? Sometimes you have to cut out toxicity from your inner circle for a season so that you can get healthy, right? Now, listen, sometimes the toxic people in your inner circle is like your spouse. You can't cut them out, right? If it's your, if it's your wife, I'm sorry, guys, you can't just, well, farewell, you know. I'm going to move into the garage until you get things right, you know. You, you can't really do that. So what do you do? You use the prayer method, When they start being toxic, I'm going to lay hands on you very slowly. Don't move too quick, right? But but you start, and if it's somebody in your circle that one is not your family and two, God has not called you to, stop spending time and allowing that toxicity to infect you, right? It's something that you've got to do. You've got to stop the toxic intake, right? So you've got got to do that. So here's the signs of a friend who isn't a real friend. Here's the signs uh, that your friend may be toxic, may not be a real friend. Their needs are always an emergency, and your needs are never considered. Their needs are always the emergency. Your needs are never even asked about. It's always about what they need. They love you to your face and are shady behind your back. If they love you to your face and they talk smack about you behind your back, they are not your friend. Number three, they're jealous and competitive with you. If they're jealous and competitive with you, they're not being a true friend. They only talk about themselves. That's narcissism. If they only talk about themselves, even when they pray, they tell God about themselves. That's narcissism, right? They dismiss your feelings. If you get a word in edgewise because they stop talking and take a breath and you begin to share about something you're struggling with and they dismiss it quickly, they're not your friend. You don't feel safe around them. They're not a safe place for you, and they're not your friend. And if you're dealing with toxicity and you have somebody in your life like this, this is not the person that's going to help you move through your toxicness. This is not the person that's going to help walk you through and pray with you to get you through this situation to get to your reset. 
So you've got to be around people that aren't like this, but people that love you and are a true friend and want to see you come through the situation, right? Number three, guys, time to move. Treadmill. Time to move more. Here's how we move. We exercise. What do we exercise? Your God-given abilities to praise and worship. You begin to praise and you begin to worship. You begin to move through the situation. You begin to move through the struggles. Praise and worship is key. Number two, serve others in ministry in the body of Christ. You begin to serve. There was a, there was a point in time in Jessica and I's life where we had uh, just returned back to the Lord and we were kind of babies in, in, back in the faith because we had walked away in a, a great part of our young adult life from the Lord and we were kind of babies returning to the faith. And, and God had rescued our family and rescued us out of our situation. And I would come home and I would saw Jessica loading an, uh, one of our, uh, like a self-propelled big push mower in the back of her Jeep, right? And she's shoving this thing up in there. And I'm like, I'm like, what are you doing? And she goes, God told me to go mow somebody's grass. And I'm like, you? <laughs> like, like that mower is bigger than you, you know, and she's, she's lifting it up in the, in this lifted Jeep up in the back, trying to, trying to shove it in there. The mower's getting broke. The Jeep's getting broke. You know, <laughs> nothing's, nothing's getting loaded right. And she said, God told me to go do it. How many of you know in those points and times when you need to, to refocus and retrain your, your, where you need to be looking, serving is a great way to do that, right? Now, if you're toxic, do you need to be teaching or leading? No. But can you clean a toilet and open some doors? Yes. You go serve to get outside of yourself, right? You begin to serve to get outside of yourself. The third thing that you do is you love deeply those as God, God has placed in your life while shaking the dust off your sandals for those who are not your people of peace. And I, I tell you this because of Luke 10, 5 through 6, it says this, And whatever house you enter first, say, Peace be to this house. And if a man of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. And if not, it will return to you. So I heard a teaching from a, a great man of God one time about having people in your life that are your people of peace. These are people that when you say peace to you, it returns to you. And if it doesn't return to you, they're not your people of peace. They're not your inner circle. So sometimes we get so bogged down and broken up over somebody that got removed from our life. But if you really focus and you begin to really look, it was all one-sided. And you were all peace on this house, and they were all thank you very much and turn it around. So, I mean, these are kind of the, the things in our life that we have to look at. And if you're toxic because you're dealing with broken relationships, you really got to take time to evaluate the relationship. And sometimes that broken relationship needs to be mended and put back together. And sometimes it doesn't. But what we have to do is listen to the Holy Spirit. And if it's not a person of peace in your life that God wants placed in your inner circle, you've got to shake the dust off of your sandals and you've got to move on. You've got to let it go. So number four is this. Stop procrastinating in your pain. Stop procrastinating in your pain. I want to ask you guys something today. I want to ask you to stand up on the inside. Not on the outside. I'm not asking you to stand up now. If you're struggling and you're dealing with pain, you're dealing with the situation, right now in your spirit, I want you to stand up. Man, there was, this, there was this preacher one time that 
he was an older preacher, and, and he had filled the pulpit from time to time. It was somebody that we, we just loved him. We, we really liked him. And he was older and didn't have a physical body enough to, to do anything anymore. And, and he would come, and he would say, the whole church is jumping and hopping and praising and dancing. And he would be sitting in a seat like this, just shaking his head. And he would say, you know what? I'm, I'm jumping on the inside. So the first thing that we need to do tonight, if you're struggling or you're dealing with situations, the first thing that you have to do is stand up on the inside. You've got to get your heart in alignment with what God wants to do in your life. You've got to stand up on the inside first before you start to apply it on the outside. Because if you flip those two, you apply it on the outside before it happens on the inside. It's a false, it's a false fix. And eventually you fall right back in the trap. So you've got you've to work on the inside. You know what, what Jesus say about cleaning the bowl? If you clean just the outside, the bowl's still dirty. But if you clean the inside of the bowl, the outside gets clean too. Right? You've got to start on the inside. You've got to stand up on the inside. So today, stand up there. Stand up in the strength of the Lord on the inside. Begin to move forward and begin to seek God. And just like that song said, hate every false way and every false word that the devil speaks into your life and love his word, love his precepts, and apply these four things to your situation for a heart reset. Amen? Now I'm going to ask you to stand up on the outside. <laughs> so if you stand with me, we'll, we'll close service tonight. Can I just ask everybody to just close your eyes and just focus on the Lord for a second? Just you and Him. With nobody looking around this room, but everybody just focused on the Lord. This is what I want to ask you. If you're dealing with a toxic heart, and you're dealing with the, the enemies of the heart throughout this series that have been attacking, and you can say tonight, Pastor Steve, I... I kind of relate to your story, or I relate to some of the aspects of what you preached about tonight, and tonight I recognize that my heart is toxic. And if that's you, would you just acknowledge by stepping out, because nobody's watching, this is just between you, me, and the Lord, would you just acknowledge to him by lifting a hand, and just saying, God, I'm getting real with you right now, it's me, there's, there's hands all over this place, God, I'm, I'm getting real with you. Father, I declare that I, that I need you. I feel like you haven't shown up for me in this situation. And God, I know that you're big enough for me to tell you that. God, you're my father. And I've held this bitterness. I've held this, this end. And I, I know, Father, that I need you to push the reset. I need you tonight to do what you did for Pastor Stephen Jess because you're no respecter of persons, Lord, and what you do for one, you'll do for another. Father, I declare your peace over every person that's lifted their hand in this place tonight. 
every person that's dealing with anger as a result of, of, of discouragement or bitterness of being hurt, being taken advantage of, being mistreated, being lied about, being talked about, being gossiped about, those who are struggling and dealing with a loss, those who are struggling and dealing with the loss of a marriage, loss of a relationship, loss of a child, those who are struggling and dealing with the, the loss of a parent, who are dealing with grief. Lord, all of these circumstances in this world that add up and lead to toxicity in the heart. Lord, I declare tonight. Father, I declare tonight, Lord, that you would just reach in into their chest cavities tonight, Father. That you spiritually would reach in and hit that reset button on their heart, Lord. That they would feel you like they've never felt you in a long time, Father. That you would begin to drain the stuff that has been piled up in there, Father. That you would begin to pull it out. Father, if there be roots of bitterness, that you would yank it out, Father. That those roots would come out all the way. Every single bit of them. Tonight, I declare a refreshing over people's hearts, Lord. Let their hearts be made whole. Let their hearts be made uh, a real, Lord. Let their hearts be inclined to you, Father. Lord, I thank you tonight. I thank you, Lord, for giving us what we need. I thank you, Father. When life is too heavy, that you come along and lift it off of us. When situations are too much, Lord, all we have to do is ask for your help. Father, I pray for a cleansing flood over every heart in this room. I pray, Lord, that you would begin to just flush it out. Flush it out in the spirit, Lord. Flush out the anger. Flush out the grief. Flush out the bitterness. Flush out the discouragement. I speak to that one person in this room that's dealing with discouragement so heavy. You walked in here tonight and it was like a weight on your shoulders. And the Lord says to you right now that if you'll just raise your hands, if you'll just lift your hands up, You'll just tilt your heads toward the heavens. You'll just open your mouth and say, God, tonight I give it to you. The Lord says that if you'll just take that step of faith and begin to lift your hands and lift your head and say, tonight I give it to you, Lord, that he will take that discouragement off of you tonight. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray over your people tonight. As they leave, Lord, as they return to their homes. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would begin to just maneuver 
throughout their homes, maneuver throughout their properties. Lord, that you would begin to remove every oppressing spirit that's been in their house, every demonic influence that has come in to try to take out these children of God. I just, we, Father, I just pray that you would remove it right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Every demonic attack that it comes against your children, Lord, I pray that you would just cancel it right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, that you would just move and show up. We pray this in the name above every name. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, church, God bless you guys. I don't know if y'all got touched tonight, but I did. <laughs> I'm just preaching to myself, man. That's good. <laughs> can I can I challenge you for this coming next few days? Especially for those of you that lifted a hand and saying, yes, yeah, I'm, I'm toxic. Can I challenge you over the next few days to just uh, follow these four steps? Begin to, to feed yourself the healthy stuff. Begin to cut off the toxic things in your life. Begin to really move in the Lord. Really move in your prayer time. Really move in your time of worship and begin to seek him with all that you have. And then just invite the Holy Spirit in every day to do that work. And, and I promise you, God will show up and set that reset button. I promise you, he will. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight? Thank you so much, guys. God bless you, and we'll see you Sunday, okay?